The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. The Celebrant Foundation and Institute, the preeminent school for ceremony and ritual careers, teaching people to become professional life cycle celebrants via its international online programs, proudly supports spirituality and health and essential conversations with Rabbi Rami. Sign up now for a Celebrant Open House webinar. To learn more, go to CelebrantInstitute.org. From Spirituality and Health Magazine, I'm Rabbi Rami and this is Essential Conversations. My guest today is Beverly D'Onofrio. Beverly is an author, documentarian, and memoirist whose New York Times bestseller, Riding in Cars with Boys, was made into a popular movie. Her personal essays have appeared in magazines like the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, the Oprah Magazine, Cosmopolitan, the list just goes on and on. And she's been included in a number of anthologies. Her essay, Making Belief in Mary, is featured in the January-February issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. Beverly D'Onofrio, welcome to Essential Conversations. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I want to really focus on on your encounters with the Virgin Mary and your practice of the rosary. Mm -hmm. You write in the Spirituality and Health piece that, and I'm quoting here for a second, that you made the choice to believe in the Holy Mother. And that's a close quote. So what does that mean exactly? Is belief really a choice? How are we to understand this? Well, I suppose I could have written, I opened to belief Mm. in the Virgin Mary. I knew that I wanted to believe in a God, and I knew that for me, the only way that would happen is if it were feminine. And I was raised Catholic and had an abiding love of the Virgin Mary when I was a little kid. And it kind of continued all through life. Like when I look back or in retrospect, even though I would have called myself an agnostic, I always had Mary around the house. You know, there'd be Mary on the wall and a little statue above the sink. And so I wanted to believe that there was something bigger than me that loved me and loves the world. I just wanted to believe that. And so I tried, and it happened. So you're raised Catholic, and like many Catholics, you're sort of surrounded by images of the Virgin Mary. But you said just a moment ago that if you were going to believe in a God, it would have to be a female deity. Uh, why, why Why isn't the Trinity enough? Why doesn't Jesus work? Well, I like Jesus. Jesus is fine. Um, and, but, it, but Jesus wasn't fine when I began this, this search because I was raised Catholic in the 1950s and Jesus was a suffering presence who made me feel guilty all the time because I was told that he was suffering for my sins. And whenever, and then God, if I stubbed my toe, my mother would say, see, God punished you. And so I equated God, a male God with judgment and punishment and pain. And, uh, and, you know, I like women, but I think women are, are more intelligent and better. So 
<laughs> Excuse me, but <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure there's an argument there. And I'd rather have a mother. I mean, if I had to choose between a mother and a father, I I go for the nurturing. I mean, here I am. I'm being really sexist, but um, a soft presence that is more heart than mind, and that's, and that's how I think of Mary. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you, and that's how you see Mary. You write uh, elsewhere that that you say Mary is the current incarnation of all goddesses. Mm-hmm. And I was curious about that, now even more so with this notion of the the softer side of deity. Lots of, of goddess figures, you know, I was just, I've been in India twice in the last few months. Lots of the mother goddess figures there are are strong. They're not nurturing. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're love, and, and I think they are all about love, but their love is searing. It's burning. Mm-hmm. It burns away, you know, I'm thinking of Kali and you know, mm-hmm. all the skulls cutting away all the delusion in our lives. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that other well, side of motherhood? Well, I think, you know, I totally think that Mary embodies that too, or the feminine divine embodies that too. But I kind of embody that. I'm kind of like, um, I'm an alpha female. I need softness. <laughs> so I, I um, concentrate on the soft part of Mary, because that's what I need to balance myself out. Not that I'm, you know, a Cali, ca- a but uh, I'm more, um, I'm not very soft myself. I'm not, I don't, I'm not very nurturing. So do you find your practice of the rosary with a focus on Mary helping you become more, more nurturing? I think it's softened me, definitely. It's, I, I think prayer, any kind of prayer would. It makes me um, more patient, more tolerant. Um, yeah, softer. So you came to this practice of the rosary in a slightly different way. I mean, I I don't know if you were raised with that when you were young, but in the essay, you write about practicing the rosary in Clark Strand's rosary group. Now, we've had Clark on the show, and I'd love to hear your experience with his group, how you got involved with that, and you know more about what it's done in your life. Well, first of all, I think Clark would wince at it being called Clark Strand's Rosary Group. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, we have no leader, and Clark is a member of the group. Okay. And um, although he did start the group, and he's the smartest person in the group, so you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, I was I was at a writers' festival. I just I just moved to Woodstock. New York that year and I was invited to a, a book my last book Astonish had just come out and I was invited to get sit on a panel and um, attend the workshop I mean the I'm sorry to attend the festival so I'm sitting in the audience and it's really crowded and I see a woman looking for a seat and I have an empty seat next to me and remember I said I'm like Holly like I'm not friendly and I don't like to chat and I normally wouldn't say, here's a seat, but I did. And I, you know, motioned to her and she came, sat down and she introduced herself and I introduced myself and she said, oh, my God, I came here to hear you. I love looking for Mary. There's a rosary group. And I had never found I've been on this um, Mary. I don't know. I've had this Mary devotion for 20 years and had yet to find a rosary group. And to move into Woodstock, New York, you know, the kind of mecca of unconventionality and esoteric belief systems and find a rosary group, it felt a little bit like a miracle. And um, she said, and uh, Clark, here's the virgin. 
And Clark, a big Buddhist who's written, who is an editor of Tricycle Magazine and written books about Buddha, um, had a visitation and now and then has messages that he conveys to us. Uh, but, you know, that's not the focus of the rosary group. The focus of the rosary group is praying the rosary and then speaking our petitions aloud. Um, it creates an uh, incredible intimacy. And the longer we're together, the deeper our what we want is revealed even to us. It's really a wonderful thing. So people pray for things like, you know, my back taxes. I haven't paid my back taxes in five years. Can you make this go away? You know, you kind of laugh at a request like that, but you don't need to know how anything is going to happen. You can just imagine, hope, wish that it will happen. And often it does. So he got a notice that his taxes were uncollectible. Well, that's good news for those of us who are moving into tax season. <laughs> right. <laughs> so do you, do you believe, yeah, don't pay, just pray. Just pray. I mean, that's the way to do it. I'm not going to pay my taxes anymore. I'm going to ask the Virgin Mother to take care of it for me. Somehow I don't find that as compelling as the notion that it softened you, it made you more <laughs> compassionate. Totally. Uh, do you, and well, it sounds like you do believe that this, that Mary is intervening in these very concrete ways. You know, I like to think of this energy as Mary. I like to personify it. I don't really believe that there's this woman up in the sky doing anything. We all can probably manifest things just by imagining and hoping and sending the energy there. But what is energy? I think energy is is God. And I like to think of God as Mary, because I just like it. Yeah, no, I understand that. I'm basically a non-dualist, and I don't believe that God is a person, and yet I have had too many encounters with a divine personality. I don't mean a a human being. I mean, you know, I've I've had encounters with Mary. I've had encounters with other of the the divine feminine figures. So, So I understand what you're talking about. I take it as I don't doubt my own experience, but I do see it as more psycho-spiritual than purely spiritual. I'm, I think there's some kind of projection there for me. I because, agree. Because of the, what you said, I just find the male deity to be impossible to work with. I just, I just don't, don't have any luck with that at all. But I'm very involved with a group called the Daughters of Wisdom. I oh. wonder if you've heard of them. I haven't heard of them. So for anyone who's listening, let me just put this in your ear, literally, and suggest that, that you check this out. The Daughters of Wisdom are an, an order of sisters from France. They were founded in 1703 by, uh, he's a saint now, Louis de Montfort and Blessed Mary Louise. And they created a whole order of, of Catholicism that focuses on Mary Ooh. and the wisdom literature, which is all about the divine feminine wisdom in greek and hebrew and latin is feminine sophia sophia right so when you read in proverbs and you find that the first thing god created was this female character sophia chachma in hebrew wisdom in english and that she is sort of the way the universe is created and the creative energies of the universe just goes on and on they deal with all of this stuff 
And so where can we find this online? Yeah, uh, well, you can find them online, but they okay. actually have a fantastic retreat center oh. in Litchfield, Connecticut. Oh, and right I in go, my backyard. Oh, there you go. And I go there at least once a year. But anyone so what who's happens there? Uh, they offer different retreats. They may be interested in offering something, you know, uh, that you would lead based on. Do they on live your... there? Oh, yes, yes, yes. The sisters. Oh, I'm totally going. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. It is an amazing place, and I've had some powerful, merry experiences there. Oh, so, thank you for telling me. I can't I'm wait to tell my rosary group. <laughs> I'm sharing it online. Hello. I'm sharing it, you know, during the show rather than offline because I want others to yeah. hear about it. If you're interested in this kind of work with the Divine Mother, this is a wonderful place to go, Wisdom House. You know, at the end of Clark Strand's book, and I don't think we spoke of it when he was on the show, but you write about it. There's this, it's in his book, Waking Up to the Dark. Mary presents her own gospel. Mark calls it the gospel according to the dark. And you reference it. What do you make of that? Can you tell us what she has to say and and how you understand it? That dark times are coming and dark times are sometimes necessary to purge and to change things. Whenever something tragic happens, often it's a turnaround in your life and you you go in another direction or you see things in ways you never did before. And basically the what is coming environmentally will do that to our society. And she does never says when it's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen. You know, it could be a hundred years from now, it could be a thousand years from now, it could be next year, I don't know. And she doesn't say. True. She doesn't say just to let you know, your memory is fine. That is oh, the good. message. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot. That is the message. I read it, and I, the fact that she doesn't tell us when, I just sort of read it as now. When you look at the news, when you look at what's going on with climate change and with, the, and I think it is a class of clash of civilizations, not between Muslims and the West or Muslims and Christianity or something like that. I think it's a clash of civilizations between fundamentalisms and liberalisms, wherever you find these these categories of, of people. And I see the whole thing as we're heading into a big collapse. So yeah. do you think that? Is, where are you with I that? I do idea? think that. I think that basically the grid is going to go down. This is my, I don't know why I think this, but I think there's going to be no electricity. And imagine our lives without electricity. That's hard it's to imagine. It's really hard. And people will die and people will suffer and we'll get to look at the stars at night. <laughs> I sometimes like my, the power goes out in my house and I think, oh no, is it, is this it? And I don't panic or anything, but I think, how am I going to find out if this is it? Because I can't call anybody up and my neighbors have it, but you know, I don't know about cross town. Right, right, right. Now there's, there's a book that, um, 
Ted Koppel just came out with recently about, I don't remember the name of the book, but this is what it's about. And he too is very concerned that this is going to be the big collapse and that, um, I mean, he's, he's storing water and food uh, for himself wow. and his children. Do you think it's an, it's necessary? I mean, almost every religion has some kind of apocalyptic scenario yeah. somewhere in it. They had it even in Jesus's time. Oh, absolutely. They, yeah. I mean, Paul well, thought this was it. All of life, right? And there was the flood. It's probably in every religion. Is it in every religion? I, You know, I hate to make a blanket statement because I'm uh -huh. sure someone knows a religion that doesn't have it. But it certainly is in the major ones that I can think yeah. of off the top of my head. And, you know, that can simply be a, a psychological uh, dimension that all human beings share, you know, this, this sense of disaster, impending doom. Mm -hmm. Or it could be an insight that all humans have that there is periodic, you know, moments of, of the dark night of the entire civilization where everything right. melts down and hopefully comes back. You know, the Kali Yuga is where we are now, according to the Hindus. And, you know, that's always followed by a golden age so it's it's yeah. not like uh oh this is it it's it's doom and gloom forever but we are in the kali yuga and i i think we're farther along than most of my hindu friends would like to admit yeah. so how do you think your work with the rosary and your experience with mary helps you navigate the it's, collapse it's very helpful it's almost like I have these beautiful beads, they're amber, and they're almost soft, and they almost have their own heat. And just holding them in my hand feels like I'm holding the hand of help or comfort, of comfort. And praying just puts me in another frame of mind. I'm not scared. Mm. Whatever comes, comes. And I, you know, used to know that I should think that way. For example, I teach a workshop and sometimes um, someone will contact me and say they want to take it and we'll have all kinds of no negotiations and in the end they don't. And all I feel is relief because they didn't belong in the group, you know, where before I would have felt disappointment. Right. There's just, I just am able to accept things so much easier. So we're just about at the end of the show. If someone is interested in taking up rosary practice, what do you suggest? Well, I suggest learning the Hail Mary. You can find all the directions online. Get yourself some rosary beads that you love. My favorite ones have twine rather than metal because they don't break. And start praying the rosary. Pray it in your car. Pray it when you're walking. And you don't even really have to be thinking about the words you're praying. Just pray. Just relax and say those words. It's kind of like a mantra. And it brings you to another place. And, and the more you do it, the longer you do it, the deeper it brings you. Well, now that I know you're doing it while driving, I'm going to be more careful just in case you're in my neighborhood. <laughs> You'll be in a different place. I need you to be behind the wheel. But okay, let's, let's don't do the rosary while operating heavy machinery. How about we just put that little warning out there? Well, I disagree. <laughs> I think I, I, I probably drive better because I'm praying oh, rosary. Okay. I'm holding Mary's hand. Oh, great. Okay, Mary is your co-pilot. I get it. Very good. You, you should see the accidents I avoid. Uh, but it's okay. due to my own bad driving. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't get any. Let me knock on wood. Okay, do that. And while you're doing that, I got to bring the show to a close. My guest today, who is absolutely delightful, is Beverly D'Onofrio, author of numerous books for both adults and children. 
Her book, Looking for Mary, deepens this conversation, and it's absolutely well worth reading. Her essay, Making Belief in Mary, is in the January-February issue of Spirituality and Health magazine. You can learn more about Beverly's work at her website, beverlydenofrio.com. And I just want to thank you, Beverly, for being with us on the show. This was absolutely engaging. Oh, well, thank you. And I can't believe this place in Litchfield. I am just so lit up. Oh, good. We'll get more business for them. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Support for this show comes from the Celebrant Foundation and Institute, an international online professional training program for life cycle celebrants. Sign up now for a Celebrant Open House webinar. To learn more, go to celebrantinstitute.org. Essential Conversations with Rabbi Rami is a project of Spirituality and Health magazine. Visit spiritualityhealth.com and subscribe to the magazine in either print or digital formats and download the iTunes app for this podcast. Essential Conversations is produced by Corinne Johnston and our program coordinator is Al Matasi. I'm Rabbi Rami. Thanks for listening. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patris, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.